This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Hello and welcome back to the show where we talk about TV shows with friends. And today I'm here with my friend Steve and we hope all of our friends listening are here with us too in spirit from wherever you may be listening because today we are starting a new TV show. Steve has picked a new show And that show, as you heard last time, hopefully, and prepared, is May I Destroy You on HBO Max is where I watched it. So, Steve, take it away. Thank you, friend. And thank you to all the friends listening all over the world. This is exciting for me to be able to share one of the most impactful shows that I've seen in recent memory. The show hits on so many levels keeps you thinking about it for days after you're watching it. It just sort of unravels like a ball of yarn. And I'm so excited to share it with Eli and really get a chance to hear his perspective about all of this and hopefully all of your perspective listening out there. Please chime in on social. Please rate and review. Let us know how we're doing and what your thoughts are too, because we really want to hear it. Hear them all. I may destroy you by creator Michaela Cole. She's the creator and star. And another amazing production, we did Gentleman Jack, which was a BBC HBO co-production. This is another one of those and a really awesome opportunity as an American TV watcher to be introduced to this new talent from Europe and from England specifically. So just, I had never seen Michaela Cole and anything before or watched anything that she had done and I was really blown away by her in this piece how contemporary it was how it used all the devices and social media and things that we sort of deal with and in our own lives every day to help tell this story about consent and her personal journey with it so it's something that I'm really intrigued by and I want first to hear Eli's first impressions. What did you think of the pilot of I May Destroy You? That's a good question, Steve. To be honest, I've never watched a pilot and had so little to say about it. Hmm. And I think that's partly just because of the style of storytelling of the show. Um, you know, having had to at least glance at the episode page to play the first episode... It's obvious that we don't really get much of the story yet, right, in this pilot. So this is 100% exposition, ultimately. I mean, there's a little story, right, that it pushes forward, but we're essentially just getting the ground, you know, laid. We're dropped into a very different world 
as Americans especially. And so we're essentially just catching up to what this world and reality is. And while there's certainly things to talk about, Steve, it is interesting because I usually have so many just thoughts or notes or, you know, got to talk about this or this funny part. And this is kind of just a watch and absorb. Hmm. And so I think it's interesting not only for, uh, you know, where ultimately it's clear the show is going to take us, um, but also for shows with friends, <laughs> I'm not actually sure what to talk about, honestly. So my first impression was uh, very like interested and um, yeah, watching almost like more like watching visual art, right? Mm. Than a TV show. And I think there's a couple things at play. One is just the as you've said, this is uh, through the BBC and um, the creator and setting. Well, <laughs> the main setting is England, right? London. Um, I actually have watched most of like the BBC shows and co-produced shows that made it to the U.S. prior to the last 10 years. Oh. So I actually love these uh, historically BBC produced, which... Often what happens is someone in the U.S. gets wind, right? It's like already <laughs> happening over there. And then some studio in the U.S. is like, slap our name on it and distribute it here. Um, but yeah, there's, you know, some classic examples of that. But moreover, to the point, it took me less time maybe than some to get right into this world, to understand sort of the language and the space these people are living in. Um, but yet at the same time, yeah, as I said, I didn't have like, I didn't have a ton to sort of note or, you know, it's kind of just like being on a ride and then you get off and you're like, whoa. Yeah. I like, I like that point of view. I mean, I think you're, you're totally right on and it is a lot to observe and they sort of save what the, what the, problem or what the issue is they're going to tackle right just for the last like few minutes of the pilot so it really is all about this character of this world who she is and it, it tells the story of who she is and what how she's come into her current situation pretty well through through sort of different means and there was a lot to it that i feel as a contemporary show just speaks to like right now so it's interesting when you talk about your experience with the BBC shows being kind of like 10 years ago, or I'm sure a lot of those were kind of period pieces as well. No, not actually period pieces. Not period pieces. Okay, cool. No, though. I, I mean, I did watch Downton Abbey, but no, I'm talking about more like, um, yeah, well, I don't want to go on a tangent cause I love British shows, but, um, sure. No more classic, like teen, uh, sort of like college age and t teen dramas. There's two or three that were really big, um, in the like, yeah, nineties, two thousands and then on. And, um, but yeah, it definitely, it allowed me at least from the perspective of sort of like language and fast moving drug addled, um, you know, this vision of 
teen British now, of course, you know, probably these are 20s, even maybe early 30s people, but similar. And in a way, like, we've seen this kind of, as things bounce back and forth across the pond, like, you know, this is similar to Euphoria now in the U.S. Like, we have an obsession wherever it's set with this, like, drug-addled, drug-hazed, uh, sort of socialite, young socialite. Um, hmm. There's always some, like, money or fame, you know, this, like, extra shine and um, just, like, a loose, a loose fast, um, sexualized drug, you know, culture. Well, I'm excited that you came into this podcast today as an open book saying, like, wow, that, that was really cool to just watch that pilot and experience it. Because it gives me maybe an opportunity to just fire some questions and mine something from you. Because I know that you are a keen observer and lover of TV shows. So I guess I could start with like what scenes or characters stuck out to you that maybe you wanted, you could talk about. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. And as you're asking it, you know, and I'm I'm going back in my mind through the watching this pilot, what sticks out more than individual scenes themselves is this uh, pacing and what feels like almost a sort of zoom in, zoom out that it does, right? So it goes very quickly and almost, you know, instantaneously from uh, very like zoomed in, right? Stark dialogue, very like raw interpersonal relationships um, to these, you know, fast moving scenes where the action moves, they're partying, they're doing this, she's traveling. Um, so more than any specific scenes or scene, it was the way that it moves between those two so seamlessly and doesn't feel herky-jerky. And so, yeah, the big takeaway for me is really just that is such an Im impressive um, sort of feat to pull that off. Uh, whereas I referenced Euphoria already, and I think there's a lot of comps, a lot of comps. And <clears throat> I know that, or I believe you haven't seen that, so no, I, won't I, I won't reference it too much, um, but there... Yeah, and there's certainly plenty of other TV shows we can draw parallels with, you know, pacing and narrative style. Um, but I want to come back to this ability to move between those. And I think the fast-paced scenes that are more montage-y, um, you know, they're partying, those are, you know, more ubiquitous these days. It's, like, easier to do that and have it like, oh, yeah, I know what's going on. Okay, yep, it's got a look. It's got a pacing, right? But then to come out of that, and then all of a sudden, the like, and you're in this, like, uncomfortable moments, raw dialogue, um, mm -hmm. you know, the costuming, the makeup. People really look and feel real very quickly. So we go from this sort of fast-paced, glitzy, it's, it's like drugs and plastic kind of 
to zoom. And yeah. yeah, I think, you know, for me, someone who has never lived in London and uh, does not have <laughs> quite that lifestyle, but has lived in major cities and uh, spent some time around celebrity and uh, partying with, you know, people of some fame. Like, it's a pretty accurate way of introducing us to this world. And so I th thought that was really um, cool, the way they were able to do that. And not only were they able to go kind of between those two main types of scenes and narrative, but um, like I said, just do it really seamlessly to where it all still feels and looks consistent. And I thought that was really interesting and uh, quite a feat. I think that's an excellent point. So often you see these montages and it's almost as if a producer, like someone didn't have a better idea to bring to the table. And they were like, we should have a montage here. You know, <laughs> and that happens all the time. We need to get through 15 <laughs> plot points. Yeah. Montage yeah. time. Yeah, it's just, yeah. it's lazy. And, you know, it, it becomes yeah, lazy. With this, yeah, and I think another thing you really nailed in what you said is what I took away from this was this very unique style. You can call it tone, but I think I think it's more encapsulated in the word style and what she was able to do. Because I think there's so much to it, like knowing when to speed up the action. It's almost not even like a montage. It's sometimes like they're just like turning a dial in a mm. weird way. And it, whether it's slow to show her sort of drunk or drugged like at the end. And then, or when it's zooming through something like going through the city or, or sort of like taking us from A to B, it's very deliberate. Mm -hmm. And I feel like music also plays a big part of this. I know you're a big music guy and I was, I was just curious what you thought of the music in the storytelling. Yeah, once again, <laughs> I didn't <clears throat> uh, take any note uh, right, of right. it, right? And... So that sometimes just means, you know, I'm locked in, locked in sometimes means like I'm, uh, really observing, trying to absorb so that we have stuff to talk about. And I think yeah. in this case, it's kind of, uh, almost, you know, somewhere in between. And I remember, you know, obviously the music in Dairy Girls we talked a lot about, and that had such a special connection to our youth. Yeah. Right? And so it's just impossible to not notice that and then start to really pick up on the messages being conveyed through the music choices, right? Totally. And good Good example. And the music for this, I May Destroy You, seems to be more integrated and seamless sort of throughout as it's just another layer of like what you're talking about creating this world that seems very real. Exactly. And there's also like a real gray area and I didn't actually scrutinize this. So, you know, it'd be interesting to maybe go back or just pay attention in the next episodes. But, um, in my very small technical knowledge of, uh, movies and soundtracks and dialogue and, um, the the interplay between those, I learned once actually about the difference between diegetic and adiegetic music in 
hmm. narrative and in film and television. And if anyone who's listening isn't familiar, that essentially means diegetic means it's coming from the story and the action. The music's there in the world you're looking at. And right. then I believe that's correct. And then a diegetic is inserted soundtrack. Not the people in the movie right. or the television aren't hearing it. It's being played over. And that's a really just fascinating nugget that I learned in a music class a long time ago that's just really been great knowledge and a great like just little point to think about how people use that. And what I think has gotten amazing over the years, because uh, that was a few, few years ago now, and it stuck with me. And I think shows now, especially with all the just movement towards TV over the last, you know, 20 so years and all the amount of, you know, money and production and stuff that goes in now, that interplay between diegetic and adiegetic music becomes totally blurred and seamless. And in some shows, the music's such a part of it that you almost don't know, right? Like, wait, mm. is this the music at the club or the soundtrack? Yeah. So I thought it was interesting, um, you know, to just kind of stop for a moment and think about that. And just like, actually, yeah, I don't really know. It seemed like there was music, of course, but uh, I didn't yeah. note it as like anything specific or ooh or whether or not it was diegetic or e-diegetic. So must have been really good. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. And I think it's cool to talk to you about it too because now that hearing you say that, like, oh, well, it was, but it also was this hybrid of being integrated into the story and whether it's something she's possibly listening on her headphones or doing right. karaoke or it's just happening over the scene. So it was, it was very, yeah. It, I just think the storytelling is just so strong here and in such a done in such a contemporary way. What I really loved about it was how we're really introduced to her world in, in what seemed very real. Like, Sometimes with pilots, they give like moments to the characters that are going to be quote unquote like series regulars or there's some special introduction to them. Everything seemed, all the sort of sporting characters or the cast of this show, there was no kind of thrills or devices for their introduction. It was all just in her world, you know, her, yeah. her housemate, her best friend. Everything was just sort of in her reality and you were just really s settled into like her reality and the way they explained the exposition. So I also interested in your thoughts on this, but I, I really loved how you learn so much about her in such a real organic way where it's, you know, she's a writer, she's on a deadline, she's working on something. And then as she's out in the world, you get these moments of people like recognizing her from social media. And there was that little bit of like, Oh, I wrote my first book on Twitter. Like it's like, and I got this book deal and it's sort of like how now I'm writing it for a company. And, and I, I just found it to be such an interesting device, not only to explain her profession and ambition and sort of predicament of, of being a writer and the writing process was an interesting way to, 
sort of show that as a writer writing a TV show and performing in it. And then it's sort of about the writing process in a weird way. And then also making it as current as humanly possible. And so it was sort of like this social media moment that she had as an author. And now she's has to now execute and become a real author. And the way in which that wasn't necessarily spelled out for you through dialogue, I thought was so cool, like a little bit of dialogue, but mostly like these scenes. Right. Um, I found that to be really fascinating and how people's devices and sort of the means of being on your phone was kind of the invisible character in the, in the pilot too. Mm. Yeah. And of course, dating apps um, are really central and yeah. And I think there's, there's a line sometimes between being really current and being almost gimmicky and, you know, without throwing shade at anyone, there's certainly some TV shows that go a little too far in my mind. And I feel like they do a really good job of staying um, very in the present and keeping us in that, like, very current, cutting-edge feel without being too devicey. Yeah, because they do do a little bit of that, but they feels like they're intentional, like they know what they're doing and they're not like you're saying, like doing it as a gimmick or exactly. leaning on it. Yep, yep. And the way they do it, you know, it's just so like little and subtle, it doesn't stand out or kind of jerk us out of the actual action. Yeah, and, and they, they also yeah. establish it in the opening scene in a subtle way where they're like almost saying like, we're going to do this when we want to do it. Yeah, yeah. And there's... You know, there's clear intention every time they do it. And not only is it that they're trying to bring you into her world and show you, you know, what she's looking at on her phone, I don't even think that's what they're doing, really, right? The device mm-hmm. is they are literally ratcheting up the tension and the interpersonal play and relationships and everything. They're showing you all this unspoken stuff they're provoking in us more feeling more background more of the dirt and tea on like what's going on in these moments right because the texts are initially she's getting texted from people back home right yeah and then and it's like you know about partying when she gets back right it's like when are you getting back blah 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 you know it's like uh and then later we see the texting from the dating app woman yeah who yeah. like fake bowed out and then came back to meet up with them yeah they did they did save that next text for something well into the episode like really late and kind of important reveal right of a weird cd situation mhm yeah so i thought that was interesting and then as far as also just like keeping it very, you know, sort of current and modern, right? You talked about her and how we learn little by little how she's become a writer and come to this, you know, small amount of fame, notoriety she has. I think it uh, all, you know, really serves to create this world. And really the, you know, other side of this, which I think we'll get into a lot more, seems like probably in later episodes is 
you know, you alluded to a little the last couple of minutes, we start to get a sense that like something's amiss, something's maybe not, not uh, as it appears. Well, <laughs> she is bleeding, so maybe it is as it appears, right? Yeah, but her state, like the frozen like expression that she has, it's very, because as you do this journey of, of this pilot with her and you kind of get to know her and the vibrance and the sort of light and the energy, like, it's de- there's definitely a vibe that <laughs> something really bad happened to her and she's I didn't get that can- vibe actually. I got a pretty oh, okay. flatline vibe from her throughout the whole episode. Okay. And yeah, so I think unfortunately I think we've like given a little too much away um in setting this up and that's okay cuz it's like like I said I saw the episode page and it's kind of clear what's going on but to be honest from this pilot I don't like I wouldn't know where this is necessarily going and so I do think it is important like as a first time watcher for me to just say like she just seems like a crazy party girl who doesn't quite have a handle on her life and this just seems mm. like how she rolls I hear what you're saying and I and I appreciate it and I think for me having it's an interesting sort of think for a rewatch it's hard to not be affected by the whole experience of watching it for the first time versus like other rewatches that I've done in the past it's like oh I never noticed that or like this and the other this one hits on such a different level that it's hard not to kind of embody the whole experience so I will check that going <laughs> forward in future episodes of this uh, one thing I wanted to just end on I thought it was just such an interesting way we were talking about this today and the way you were talking about this. Um, How did you feel she as a storyteller, did you get a sense if she, if they execute, of how they executed this pilot? It sounds to me like you're intrigued and you saw something that we always watch three episodes here anyway on shows with friends. But, you know, if you were just on your own watching this, like, do you think, do you think she nailed it? Do you think that she executed what she was going for or that this show sort of, um, I guess for lack of a better term, nailed the pilot? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's an interesting one to look at and especially given the you know previous shows we've been watching, something that I think is often done at the end and just in a pilot is really like making sure you're interested and are going to keep watching. Mm-hmm. And the last man on earth, not only the pilot, but many of the episodes have a real hook at the end, right? They take you to somewhere where you're almost afraid or not sure if you want to keep watching and then they hook you. This doesn't have a hook per se. It's not that. But what it is is um, it's sort of like you've been out, you know, all night, <laughs> right? And, of course, it's a good <laughs> metaphor, allegory, because that's what it is. You've been out all night, you know. and, you know, you come home, and you're just like, yeah, great night. And you look over at your friend, and you're like, are you bleeding? Right. Like, and that's literally what happens. Right. And it's like, you get kind of pretty much to the end. And even 
for me, sort of just flowed. But you know, towards the very end, you're like, wait a minute. Hey, are you okay? Is everything okay? Like, something's just slightly amiss. And you didn't really notice it until the last second, right? So there's interest in that. I'm curious, like, where this is going to go. And at the same time, it didn't really grab me in the way that some other shows have. And I think yeah. part of that is intentional. I don't think it's meant to grab you. It's meant to bring you into this world and then you don't even know that you're necessarily thinking about it. But three days later, you're like, oh my God, I need to know what happens next. And you watch it, yeah. right? <laughs> so it's interesting because it's, did they nail it? I think they probably nailed what they were going for. Would I have, you know, let's say I was an EP on this, right? I'm sure, like, there was probably a showrunner, right? Like, let's be realistic. This is her first huge vehicle, as far as we know, right? So there were other people in that room helping to make decisions, right? If I had been in the room, I might have tweaked things a little bit. Maybe not. I don't know. But I think likely she really nailed what she was going for. And I think we've already, you know, a little bit let the cat out of the bag that this is like an unraveling yarn, a story that's going to, you know, quickly evolve. I did look at the title of the next episode just because it's hard to not see those things when you're in a sure. streaming app. So, um, you know, it's about to just play, it jumps up and you're like, no, wait, no, 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 no. Oh, I love yeah. the title. Right. So, and that's okay. That's, you know, that's fine. This is the age we live in. And, um, and, you know, you mentioned consent in the intro and that's okay. Like, I think it's, it's clear something's going on. There's that brief moment where she gets a flashback of, um, uh, a white man's sort of upper half in a doorway. Um, and that's a very like clear flashback of what something that happened or a semblance of something that happened. So it's pretty clear what's going on. It's not like we're spoiling anything or, um, that you spoiled anything. And yet I almost like wanted I almost wanted just a little more of her at the end, if that makes sense. Like, it's all sort of about her and dropping into her world, and I'm sure that, like, it's just going to evolve, and maybe that's the idea is, like, this is just, like, a first peek, really, mm. into her world. And as the protagonist... And as, you know, we know, writer-creator star. I wanted a little more of, like, why? Who is she? Like, how has she gotten here? There's no history. There's no context about, like, how or why she wrote the Twitter novel. She doesn't seem like a good writer in this episode. She seems like a disaster. She's, like, she gets home. She's, like, on the shitter, rolling a hash joint while her roommates, you know, it's like, yeah, she, I wanted a little more either, you know, insight into her and her background or a little more 
likability to her. And so the one thing I felt for me that this pilot didn't quite nail was really getting me interested in her story more. I kind of oh, left just like, oh, okay, like party, party. Like, and once again, coming back to Euphoria, <laughs> I won't keep doing this, I promise, guys, but it is, you know, there are a lot of parallels in Euphoria, in my mind, is just all haze, haze, party, party, drug, drug, and it overshadows the stories. And I'm a little concerned that's happening here but I am definitely going to watch the next two episodes with you and really have an open mind again to just where it goes. All right, great. And I won't, you know, to each his own, and I think all those points are very valid, and I, I will say I think they nailed it in doing something very interesting with a pilot conceptually in how they introduce characters and introduce story and... um wasn't like a lot of things I've seen before and I appreciated that. So that's that's my only two cents. It's not necessarily an argument or a counter or anything. I just sure I kinda wanted to point that out that there's you know, seems very intentional this piece. So maybe they left out the things you're talking about on purpose to sort of Definitely, yeah. Shine the spotlight somewhere else. Yeah, and actually it's funny a couple of the in my British show love uh, a couple of the supporting characters are actors I love and I've seen in one oh, or cool. more things. So the um, roommate and the, uh, since he's on Grinder, seemingly gay friend who comes and visits her while she's writing. Um, I've seen both of them and other things and liked them. Um, and yeah, her roommate, that guy is awesome. Um, he's really funny, great actor. So as soon as I saw him, I was excited to... Cause, you know, when you recognize the actor, even in a foreign show, you're like, oh, okay, cool. He's going to be, a, he's, he's in probably every episode, right? Like, <laughs> this guy's great. Um, so, yeah, there are definitely things, you know, that uh, have, you know, interested me in continuing to watch. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely, it's good, I think, for us to also, you know, bring some critical thought and uh, not always just be gushing about... Uh, you know, our love, even though I think this was a really, really well told and executed pilot. So like I said, I think they probably nailed what they were going for totally. And uh, for me, I'm interested to see now, um, can this story evolve to where I'm really bought in? And, you know, something our listeners don't know necessarily, but I mentioned a little bit at the end of last episode is I really don't like an anti-hero if I cannot get behind that character at all. And that is why I will always be on the record as hating Breaking Bad. I hate Breaking mm. Bad. If right. anyone wants to talk about that, hit us up on social media. I friggin' hate that show. Whoa. All right. Controversial <laughs> take. I don't hate that show for the record. Keep coming with the, the how you feel, Eli. I don't, if it's critical... If it's positive, bring it. I feel like that's part of watching shows with your friends, right? Not everyone's going to like everything or every little part of everything, and that's okay. And I think it's cool to hear what you kind of had problems with, even within something that you sort of dug and were kind of like, whoa, about. So, Absolutely, uh, yeah. Love it. Love the energy. Let's keep it up. Friends at home, please join us 
watching the next two episodes of I May Destroy You. You can find it on HBO Max. Yes, indeed. And we really want to hear and want you to be a part of this experience. So please come back after watching that and listen to the next episode of Shows, Shows with Friends. That's right, Steve. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about two and three, see where this goes. And that, Steve, will be episode 27 Woo! of Shows with Friends. And so as we wrap up today, just one more thank you to all our listeners on this journey. All right. We'll be back next time. Thanks a lot, friends. Bye, friends. Hello, friends, and thanks for listening. We just wanted to take a quick moment and let you know that we are really excited to be a part of a growing podcast network. It's called Connected Podcasts, and there are many other great shows on the network that we think you are going to enjoy. That's Connected, C-O-N-N-E-C-T-D, podcasts.com. Thanks for listening.